Welcome, Bird Gang, on today's show. Darren Urban joins me. He was there in Cincinnati for the Cardinals' preseason opener against the Bengals. We'll get his firsthand account of how things went. There were certainly a lot of positives. Speaking of positives, Kyler Murray and Hollywood Brown practiced at the same time, a first here in training camp. But first, Darren's brush with greatness. It's Cardinals Cover 2, Episode 580, and it starts now. Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2. Hit in the backfield and down he goes for a loss. J.J. Watt nailed him. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. And by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. He's at the 10, half a 5. He's in again. Some more Murray magic. Wow. Here's Craig Grealoux. Before we get to the history made at Monday's practice, we have to look back at what? Friday afternoon, Darren, before the preseason opener. When was this brush with greatness <laughs> that you and Mike Helm, the senior manager of media relations, experienced in Cincinnati? Uh, that would have been lunchtime in Cincinnati, so you were barely out of bed, Craig. <laughs> uh, so probably, I don't know, about noon at Cincinnati. So at 9 o'clock here. Okay. Went to lunch and... Uh, Ended up at a table next to Venus Williams, tennis star. Did you know immediately? Yes. Okay. Although we questioned ourselves because we weren't sure. And then later later on, we we thought for sure, oh, my God, that's Venus Williams. Obviously, we didn't say anything. And then uh, we started doubting ourselves. And then at some point, Mike Helm found a tweet which I'm not sure how he tracked that down, but he found a tweet from the WTA, the Women's Tennis Association, that for the Cincinnati tournament, our list Cincinnati of, Open. Cincinnati Open, our list of wild card entrants includes, and Venus Williams was at the top, so we realized, yes, there was reason for her to be in Cincinnati because I think that's one of the reasons we were doubting ourselves. <laughs> Why would Venus Williams be in Cincinnati? By the way, I looked uh, it up. She's scheduled to play on Tuesday of this week. Wow, so she got in early. The but weather you, was nice. You didn't walk over, say hello, uh, ask well, for I didn't an have to walk over like, or anything like that. Literally, her table was salt. her table was from me to you, Craig. I mean, it's I, there's no walking over that was needed. That's nice. So your day was made at that point, and it just got even better by what you saw later on that evening. Correct? Yes. I mean, obviously, the Cardinals performed. I mean, it's a preseason game. We we know what we have to think about those and say about those, but for what it was. A clean game, relatively few penalties, efficient on offense. Um, the guys who did play looked pretty sharp for the most part. Um, so all the way around, and, and there were few injuries uh, and nothing catastrophic. So those are all things that you chalk up as big wins when you're talking about a preseason game. So it was it was a nice first game, and, and we'll kind of see where it goes from here. I want to touch on a handful of those players because that's what preseason is about, at least to me. It's the individuals, not so much the team, because you're looking to figure out who's going to make that team. But the one thing for me that I think can be a nice carryover to this coming week and then into the season, hopefully, and you brought it up, the lack of penalties, no turnovers, and just how operationally things looked so smooth. Now, this is my vantage point from the studio, me and Kyle Vandenbosch watching it in the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network studios. You've got 90-plus players 
countless coaches, support staff, and no, well, there was a delay game in the fourth quarter, but those first three quarters, easy. I mean, it looked like a midseason game. That's what you want the performance to be like. That's the whole point of training camp is getting those things in particular where you want them. Now, there's a couple of caveats to it, and the biggest one is that most of the guys that are going to be playing most of the time, they weren't part of that equation. I mean, so you would think the starters would be just as good as the backups and something like that, but we don't know because the chances are most of them are never going to set foot on a field until games count. So you hope that the few penalties, you hope that the efficient offense, the you know smart defense, the no issues with substitutions and everything, you hope that will carry over to the guys that are not going to get a chance to rep it in a, in a game in the preseason. And you would think here going into year four for this coaching staff that has very little turnover under Cliff Kingsbury that now you're starting to figure out where guys need to be positioned and in how to situate your different position groupings so there's not a lot of miscommunication or chaos on the sideline. Yeah, I mean, again, this is – we all talk about, okay, who's looking good in camp and, and what are they, how are they performing and this and that. But part of training camp is to sharpen the skills that you're talking about that nobody wants to really analyze and nobody really wants to talk about until it goes bad, which is, okay, pre-snap penalties, being smart, uh, making sure all the substitutions are clean, making sure the communication on the sideline makes sense, especially like you said, when you have this many players and – in a preseason game, that many substitutions. I mean, again, for the most part, it's there's a lot fewer people in a regular season game, whereas there's so many different guys that are standing on the sidelines. There's so many different guys that are trying to get in. Uh, there, there's a balancing act on how to do all that stuff. So, yeah, that's that's part of what training camp is about is is to hone not only what the players are doing but what the coaches are doing, what the staff is doing, and, and it's certainly turned out – uh, pretty well. All you have to do is look across the field. The Bengals committed 11 penalties or a number of holding calls. And then you and I were sitting there earlier on Monday, and I did not notice or knew this, but the Dallas Cowboys committed 17 penalties in their preseason over. That's that's typically what happens in the preseason. But two penalties, one I think was very questionable on yeah. Jesse Lucchetta, and then there was a defensive pass interference that was declined. We can get in Marco Wilson's play. I was – now, again, will that continue? Probably not. But it was just – you don't see a game, a preseason game, that clean very often. No. And, and, and even on the other side, you're talking about some of those penalties. Some of those penalties were because – the Cardinals were playing well. I, I, I'm thinking of at least one holding call, and I don't know if he drew a second one. Uh, if he didn't, he should have. Uh, Jesse Lemonnier, uh, his pass rush was exceptional when I watched him a few plays. There was one series late in the game where he definitely drew a holding call on one of those plays. He, he torched the guy he was rushing against like three plays in a row, and the guy could do nothing but grab at him and do stuff. So... Again, when you start talking about like the penalties for Cincinnati, yeah, some of that was they were a little sloppier than what the Cardinals were, but some of it was, again, because the Cardinals were doing things well in just a different facet of the game. 36-23, the final on Friday. Final score doesn't really matter too much. What matters is what happened during those 60 minutes. And for you, Darren, you were there, one of the few that actually can say now you've been to Paycor Stadium. That's When it's been called Paycor Stadium, you mean? Yeah. 
because I've, I've, I've been to that stadium a few times. I'm but it's the saying. first time, though, at Paycor Stadium. Yeah, it felt totally different. <laughs> I mean, the vibe just changed. For you. Or not. Your biggest takeaway in the moment as far as whether it was offense, defense, or special teams? My biggest takeaway was probably what I wrote about, which was if Victor DiMuchese can give you the kind of pass rush that might be able to churn out six to eight sacks, I think you're way ahead of the game in terms of the pass rush when you're looking for those kind of guys. If he, if he can give you something like that, I think that would be – really really important i do think tracy mcsorley had a solid game and he he looked better than quite frankly i thought he might but again when you start talking about the third string quarterback i don't know how much that really makes a difference that's why i would go with d mukaji because that actually could impact games when they count you talk about filling up the stat sheet two sacks two quarterback hits a tackle for loss one forced fumble and one of the forgotten members of that outside linebackers group we talk about Marcus Golden Devon Kennard Dennis Gardick and then the three draft picks Demo Keiji has gotten lost in the shuffle in fact we never even brought him up in the pregame and that was an error on my part well because you're not that good Craig. no I'm not I, I, I'm still trying to learn from you Darren yeah, the multimedia course. master no, as we that. saw in the post-game locker and room. friend of Venus Venus <laughs> we got that going as well so but Demu Cage let's not forget second year year yeah. one to year two that jump we always talk about it whether it's with the quarterback or a wide receiver well not why not with an outside linebacker in a position group that is desperately needing someone some people to step up. I think it's a great point. And, and again, when you start talking about a guy like Demukeji, one, one of the reasons they liked him was because there were similarities to what Marcus Golden is. Maybe a little bit shorter, stockier of a pass rusher. Um, isn't going to wow you in terms of athleticism off the edge, but somehow gets it done. Hard worker. Demukeji's smart. Went to Duke. You don't get into Duke. I don't care even if you are a football player unless you got some brains. And so he's a smart football player. And, and I just think there's a lot that goes into it. There's a lot of people that like Jesse Lucada uh, as a pass rusher. I mean, I, I think they've got, you know, again, no, I don't know if they have anybody on the team right now where they're like, okay, this is guys Chandler Jones a second. But they like some of these young guys. They like some of their potential on what they could do off the edge and it's going to be really interesting to watch like who makes this team who you know how do you kind of set it up how is that all going to go because you're not going to be able to keep them all now linebacker you usually can keep a few extra ones because those guys are the kind of the heart and soul of special teams so Lucada is on this team I'm thinking for special teams no matter what and then if you could work them in but it's something to keep in mind down the road a credit to Victor as well and Kingsbury brought it up on Monday, the work that these guys put in in the offseason, whether during offseason workouts or on their own. And Victor mentioned how quickly or how quick he looked when he went back and looked at the film. That first step, the explosion off the line of scrimmage, being able to beat the guy in front of you, whether it's the left tackle or right tackle. And you're kind of seeing some of those, the results of all that hard work during the offseason. And potentially, let's add Demukeji into the mix as far as a number or one of those guys that can rush the quarterback this season. Yeah. I mean, and again, when you look at Victor Demukeji, you think, okay, this guy should probably be able to win some battles inside. So can he, is he quick enough to make the outside part of his game, you know, enough of a threat where a, a 
a tackle might not necessarily know which way he's going. So, yeah, I, again, I like the game that he played. I like the game that Greg Dorch played. I like the game that Trace McSorley played. Um, you know, there were there, there was some nice, solid performances. I like the game. I mean, this should be a no-brainer, Will Hernandez. Uh, I thought he played really well, but again, he was going against backups, and he's one of your starters. But the the non guys, I mean, Dennis Gardeck, we've talked about it before, but he carried over what you've seen in practice into the game. He looks really quick off the edge, and again, you're hoping that that pays off in some quarterback pressures. Gardeck only played ten snaps, drew a holding call on the right tackle. Rashard Lawrence had a TFL; he was only on the field for nine snaps. So a lot to like on the defensive side. My J. Sanders, Jonathan Ledbetter drew holding calls. Ledbetter is someone that doesn't get talked a lot about defensively on that defensive line. He did play one game last season. That was in Cleveland when Corey Peters tested positive, and all of a sudden Ledbetter gets the call and says, "Hey, you got to play," and he played well according to the coaches. That's another room that maybe it's not one guy, but a collection of guys that you need to play well this season. I think they've always been kind of aiming that way, right, with how they've constructed that room. I mean, they've got J.J. Watt, but there are no real superstars or even stars beyond that. Beyond that, it's, it's, it's a collection of workers and rotation guys for the most part. You're hoping Zach Allen can take a little bit of a step. But for the most part, it's rotation, guys. And it, if they can play like that, and again, caveats over and over, Bengals not using starters, et cetera, et cetera, um, you know, they're going to be okay. But, I mean, we got a long way to go, and we got to see them against better competition. And, and knock on wood, although, as you all know, that I'm not a jinx guy i mean we still got quite a bit of time and time practice time and preseason games and we got to see if everybody can stay healthy which there's still a long time before games actually matter well and those that played well on friday now can you do it again on sunday can you stack these performances it's one thing to do it in practice another thing to do it in the game i found it interesting in hearing kingsbury earlier on monday he was asked to assess david collins and marco wilson didn't really give the assessments except to say, I'm excited to see how much they progress from week one to week two. Those two were among the three, including Dennis Gardick, that Kingsbury said defensively they were going to play it, the starters, projected starters. There was a lot of post-consternation, if you will, on how Zayvon Collins performed, which to me I think is laughable considering he's only on the field for 18 snaps. And – you're looking at the final stats and you see one assisted tackle. That's all anyone paid attention to. But if you focus in on what he did, there was only one play that I think you can really point to that say maybe he got a little bit ahead of himself, and that was when he tried to go up the middle, got engaged with an offensive lineman, couldn't get off the block. That's something that's been bothering him since last year. But other than that, with what he was asked to do, whether it was cover the running back, rush the quarterback, or drop deep on second and third and long, I thought it was fine wasn't overly impressive but it wasn't the opposite of that well here here's i will say this i i i don't disagree with you but again we're when you start talking about a guy who you draft when you drafted you said he was going to start when you drafted a guy who okay now we're moving on we're going to give him his chance i mean Fair or not, you you're not going to look at him and his development the same. You're going to look at my Jay Sanders, or or whomever you're talking about a later pick. I mean, he's a first round pick. You're going to expect quicker, more things quicker, and um, 
you know, it's it's not fair to compare him to some other linebackers that have burst out of the gate uh, that, you know, you're hoping he would have done. But, again, you're right. It wasn't bad, but I, I don't know if he's going to go and stick it up on his board and say this is one of my better performances of my life or this is where I want to be. And so I, I, I do think there's something to the factor of like, hey, you're supposed to be a starter and they're not putting out great players. You should be able to shed that block or make a couple more plays than you did. Now, maybe he's doing everything exactly like he's supposed to within the concept of the defense, and the defense played well when he was in there. So, okay, you go there and you say, then the job is done. But the spotlight's going to be on him, and I, I don't I don't whether it's fair or not, it doesn't matter. The spotlight's going to be on him, and and if he's not making some eye-popping plays once in a while, people are going to question it, and I understand that. I have no problem with that. I do like what he had to say to you post-game as far as the mental errors, that there were no mental errors. Now, that was immediately after the ball game. I don't know what the coaches told him after the fact, but the he was where he was needed, where he was asked to be. No, there were not a wow play or anything like that, but at the same time, there wasn't much opportunity no. for him to make a wow play if he was told, hey, follow the running back wherever they go or we need you deep safety on second and 20-plus. Yeah. No, and, and you're right. And, again, that's that you have to – and that's why you do need a bigger sample size, not just a bigger sample size on how much he plays during the game, but a bigger sample size over a number of games. Um, and I, we, we're going to see – look, the guy's going to play. The guy's going to play, and I don't – unless he's terrible, I don't think he's going to do anything in these next two games to change that fact. He's probably going to play some against the Ravens. Uh, we'll see what happens uh, in that final preseason game against the Titans and how many guys that they're expecting to put on the field they want to, they're actually going to have on the field. I mean, by that time, you're only going to have 80 players, so you're going to have trimmed down some of these extra guys. But um, – it would be nice to see a, a wow player too when he's in there just to kind of settle everything down. Maybe even to tell himself, okay, I know I can do this. He'll get another opportunity talking about Zayvon Collins. Marco Wilson will get another opportunity. He did not look good on that defensive pass interference call. Wide receiver still made the catch. Penalty declined. But you're looking for him. The jury is still out. That's that's a tag that's going to be on Marco Wilson until he shows otherwise, and it's still a surprise to me considering how well he did play last season. Maybe he fell off a little bit towards the end of the second half of the season, but cornerback still, to me, remains a huge question mark as far as what they do as far as depth at that position, quality depth. Yeah, I, I mean, again, <laughs> It's such an interesting question about where they go from here, and, and we've had this conversation many times, right, um, in terms of what they do at that spot and when they do it. And um, I, I think there's a couple guys that flashed. But, but again, see, this is, this is where it's tough. I was like, I keep going over it. We keep hitting all these different positions, and it's like I don't know how much I, I want to – put into what we just saw or what we could see because it just feels like so much of it is just biding time until we get to the regular season. You know what I'm saying? If you have something 
egregious, then it doesn't make you feel good. Right. And you're just you can only you can only feel bad. You can't feel good. Although I'll say this: if I'm Greg Dortch, I do feel good yes. on how I perform. Now, is he going to crack the top four, five wide receivers? No, no, unless there's an injury. But I do think, and I was, I think we're in agreement on this, Darren, that he was on this team anyway because of his ability on special teams. But I think what he showed, one. One game, I get it. It's one game. But if Rondell Moore is going to be more utilized on offense as a receiver, well, you need someone back on punt return. Yeah. Got to be able to catch the ball first. And then if you can do something like Dortch did on that 55-yard return, that's a bonus. I do think they might have found another option, if you will, on the return game. I'm, again, fascinated to see how that plays out and kind of where that all goes and and, – you know, I don't – I loved what Dorch has done so far. It's interesting every time that uh, Cliff has asked about him, he says something about needing to learn the playbook more. And I, it seems like a more of a vague thing. I feel like there's something he wants to point to and he can't because it sure feels like Greg Dorch is where he's supposed to be most of the time, making plays, either making catches, or the, the punt return obviously opens your eyes because we've talked about this before. If they can get some guy who can – be a breakaway punt return and it doesn't have to be every time but if, if there's a threat there that you know once every three or four games you can get a 55 yard punt return I mean that that these days that that can be a huge point in in turning over uh, who wins a game he had a four yard return a nine yard return then the 55 yard return plus a 17 yard return but the bottom line you have to be able to catch the ball cleanly and Greg Dorch is able to do that now is it going to be Rondell Moore? Is it going to be someone else back there and then kickoff as well? But that's something to keep an eye on, and I'm impressed by what Greg Dorch has done because seemingly every single time out here at Cardinals camp, it's the Greg Dorch show. There's at yeah. least There's been at least one practice here at State Farm Stadium in which he beat someone one-on-one, 11-on-11, making a great acrobatic catch on the sideline or coming across the middle. He's not afraid to get hit, nope. and he's – I've – Looks like I've got a foot on him. You and I both, as far as his size, yet he's so much better than you and I, Darren, well, on the football field anyway. First of all, I don't think it's quite a foot. I don't think he's I, – I wish I was a little taller. It would have been helpful when I played basketball because I'm pretty sure he's not 5'3". But I, I would say five, that – 5'7". Yeah, I'm not 6'7", that's for sure. 6'3". And you're not 6'7", either. Um, I, look, I, I agree with all, all those – thoughts and at one point what did i tweet i said he's on the roster right like he's it, w- it would seem like that would happen but i, I think this team's going to have some choices to make on offense they're going to have to figure out exactly which receivers they want to keep they're going to have to figure out what running backs they're going to want to keep there and i don't think those are easy answers and yeah you've got enough room on your practice squad to stick them on there but they would have to clear waivers and the way some of these guys have played you know, does that happen? I mean, after watching the running backs this weekend, like, I, I like Keontae Ingram, but I like Jonathan Ward, and I like James Conner, and, and I like Eno Benjamin, and I, I think Daryl Williams is going to be around, so I don't think you're going to have five running backs. That would seem to be a little bit much unless you go light somewhere else. I still think you're going to keep three quarterbacks. But see, where are you going to go light? McCoy. I mean, yeah, no, what, what there, is no, there is no going light. Yeah, it's it's a fascinating conversation that we're sitting here having in mid-August that will go until almost mid-September. 
uh, right before week one as far as your final 53, what do you do at certain positions? Actually, I think injuries... the, final, the final 53 gets September 4th, I think. It's not mid-September. Well, mid-September is when the season begins. Oh, September 11th. It's close enough. It's September 4th is when the cut to 53. Now, of course, that's always changing, but we're going to see that. Because we, uh, this is going to get they, they teams had to get to 85 this week. Cardinals already made those cuts. Next Tuesday they'll have to make a cut to 80. So there'll be five more cuts after the Ravens game. And my guess would be those cuts would come Monday because the team flies out to Tennessee to practice on Tuesday, and you're not going to take five guys <laughs> that you don't plan on having. So they'll probably make those cuts Monday, and then the following Tuesday after the preseason finale, cuts are due. The final cuts are due. It's going to be a busy time for you. When isn't it a busy time for me, Craig? <laughs> By the way, we teased at the top here on Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, that history was made at Monday's practice. I know many people believe that it was the black alternate helmets in which the history – by the way, they looked sharp. Yes, they I, I was I was I thoroughly impressed, time, especially under the lights here at State Farm Stadium. It was a nice shine to them. The players seemed to enjoy them. I think the, the logo, the decal, looks really cool. It's uh, fascinating. Go to azcardinals.com in case you need to see for yourself the video and the pictures. But the real history to me, Darren, you kind of got a glimpse of it on Friday, but it was pre but preseason – I'm, I'm surprised preseason pregame practice doesn't matter I'm surprised me. you've been able to sleep at all Craig because this has been such a concern of yours that I, I don't know I, if it's or a, get an ulcer over it I don't or, know if concerns the right word just more sure sounded like a concern anxious talked about interesting it. but the fact that not only was Kyler Murray on the field but Hollywood Brown was on the field and they were actually throwing and catching the first completion between Kyler Murray and Hollywood Brown in practice happened on Monday that's true that's true. Only took until August 15th. 15 practices in. We finally got it. One to two, as Paul Calvisi likes September to say. September 11th <laughs> is the first game? Is that what it is? What are you trying to so say? So I was saying there's still a month before we have to worry about it. What were you panicking about? Not panicking. Again, Tom you're putting, Brady you're is putting <laughs> leaving for two weeks. How important can training camp be? He's got seven Super Bowls. What does that have to do with anything? That's in the past. Oh, you're talking did about Did he win a Super Bowl in, for the 2022 season? He did not. Okay. Not yet. It just it was it was something that people have been waiting to see and they're still waiting to see because People? People? Craig Grealu. Come on, Cardinal Fess fans. Up. I am not alone here. Yeah, people have not. been waiting and they're going to still have to wait. That's true. Because well, we're not going to see it probably on Sunday. Doesn't no. seem like starters are going to play. If yeah. Kingsbury gets asked, what about starters? Oh, very similar to last week. Okay, well, that means 20-some-odd players aren't going to be on the field. So we're just getting little small bits and pieces. Correct. And that's, that's what it's going to be. We want to save something for Andy Reid. It's got to be special <laughs> for Andy Reid. Forget Andy Reid. What about Craig Riolu and, and, and what about all the other Cardinal fans out there, Darren, that have been anxiously awaiting and when you – just the emails that I get that say that, that say, what about Craig Grealou? <laughs> You're absolutely right. <laughs> you, get, you, get, you get other emails than that. I do, but I get, I get those once in a while. By the way, the mailbag I'm predicting this week might have a uh, Venus Williams question in it no, or, or something. That, no, because no, I've already 
vetted all the questions for this week because I'm working on it, and there's no Venus one. Nobody cared. To be posted later on Monday you or care, first thing on Tuesday? Uh, it'll because be, I it'll read. Be, it'll be first thing uh, I, Tuesday. I, I read everything that you write. I know. You I are read. you are really good about that. I, I got to give you credit for that. <laughs> I even edit sometimes as well. That's <laughs> yeah, also true. Thank God. <laughs> Darren, appreciate it. I know you've got a busy day. You've got a busy week. You have to work all week long, <laughs> practicing every single day this week. No days off, no vet days for Darren Urban. <laughs> Need to get you on the Rodney Hudson plan. Yeah, well, $10 million? Do I get that? <laughs> sure. Okay. Take it off the top of my paycheck. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, we will put a lid on this edition of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. As always, special thanks to our executive producer, Jim Omohundro. For Darren Urban, I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you next time here on Cardinals Cover 2.